This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly is starting right now. And there was a period of like 20 days of rain, uh, mudslides, and my business, my agricultural production, literally was under the dirt. Hey, Ian Weekly community. Thank you so much for being here this week. Uh, exciting interview coming up. But first, I just want to ask you guys, if you have time, could you please just go down to the notes on your if you're on iTunes and just give us a review and let everybody know what you think about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And if you... Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us, and we'd love to know what your thoughts are as far as episodes go, and if you have any ideas of what kind of uh, guests and topics you'd like to hear. This week on EM Weekly, we're talking to Lysandra Pagan. She is an emergency manager and business continuity expert, and she learned this the hard way by losing her entire farm um, after... 20 Days of Rain on Puerto Rico. So, stand by and uh, get ready to listen to a really great interview about a woman who's passionate about business continuity and reaching out to businesses and making sure that they're prepared for the recovery after a disaster. Dr. Pagan, how did you start getting into business continuity and specifically, why did you decide to write your book? Well, Todd, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. I started my first business in 2003, and after a disaster, I lost everything. So I went back to college for an education and tried to figure out what happened, what was my problem. And I thought it was marketing, and I thought it was, I didn't know a lot about sales, and I was in an agricultural program. So I decided, you know what, there's something else here that nobody thought about that about us. And I I realized it was because I didn't have a plan B. I never planned. I made a business proposal. It went to the bank. I got financing. Everything was perfect, but everything was so positive on that proposal that I never considered time down, losses, uh, natural disasters. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do this because I realized that I'm not the only person when I read the statistic that 90% of the businesses closed, I'm like, wow, why is nobody doing anything about this? So I decided I'm going to go for it and I'm going to try to help people to keep their businesses running. And then I started working for the Department of Agriculture and an emergency response program. And I got involved into ICS and all that. And I said, okay, that's the perfect combination, <laughs> emergency management with business continuity, and that's how I get started. Well, that's pretty cool. What what kind of business did you own prior to now? And, and also, what kind of natural disaster hit your business? Well, I used to live in Puerto Rico at that time, so I had an agricultural business, and there was a period of like 20 days of rain, uh, mudslides, and my business, my agricultural production, literally was under the dirt 
for an entire mm. week or two. So when we tried to recover it, it was it was a mudslide. So when we tried to recover, everything started getting um, bacterial diseases because of the time and the humidity. So there was no way to recover. We had to burn everything and start over. But at that point, you know, I didn't have any money to start over. So I started taking loans, which is the only option <laughs> when you have right. a business and go through a disaster. So since it wasn't a, a federally declared emergency, I didn't get a disaster loan. I got traditional loan. So right. everything just snowballed into it. And, and it's just so difficult to recover that I decided, you know, I need to help people to prepare before the disaster. So they can recover quickly and and just keep trying, keep going before it's too late. Yeah, that's really important, especially with small businesses and, and you know, farming for yes. most of us is, a, is definitely a small business. When I was in my undergrad, I did a study uh, specifically on the um, uh, on the Rio Narrows earthquake. Uh, it happened in 1987. And I found that minority women-owned businesses, and most of them were nail salons and beauty salons, okay. but they, um, once they closed for more than three days, they never opened back up. And yes. you're right. It was about a 90% failure. And it's because those clients move on to other people. It was beauty salons and ice cream shops. Those are, <laughs> those are the ones that were more I devastated. That's what everybody, like your clients are not going to wait until you get it together. They need to get services. They need to get products and they're going to find somebody else. So you need to prepare for any kind of interruption, even if it's for a couple of hours, so you can bounce back quickly and, you know, don't don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out what to do. Because if you plan ahead of time, you already have the answer. You just have to implement, move on. And if it doesn't work, just people from there start again. But you keep moving. You never stop to think. You already have the decisions made. And that's uh, what the book is about. It's just making those decisions before the event shows up, before you face a challenge, before you're forced to stop doing business for a while. So when you have to get back onto your business activities, you have a guide. You already have, um, as I said, a compass that, that will guide you in those difficult moments and you don't have to start making decisions, trying to find suppliers or trying to find uh, who's going to help you with this. You already have all that in your plan. I did some business continuity or continuity government planning on the city side of things. And I've done a couple now uh, with a couple of universities and everything has its own challenges. But what I really like about your, your book, it's, it's not a book that you would, it's not a book that you read from cover to page or from a cover to cover. It's, it's a workbook and it, and it's step by step and how to get your plan. And by the time you go through this book, and if you fill out the uh, fill out the uh, areas correctly, you're going to have a solid continuity of, of business plan uh, for you. So I, I highly recommend it. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about how you can get this book a little bit later. What successes have you seen with people that have used your book or something like this to plan out their business continuity for small businesses? Well, small, small business owners, they usually don't have a lot of budget <laughs> and you probably know that nobody has budget for this. So it's very important that they have a decision-making process, a, a set of steps that they need to follow. And one of my clients, she's got a hair salon and I found, I found that funny when you mentioned it, <laughs> it's usually hair salons. I work with restaurants because restaurants in three days, they, lo they lose everything. So mm -hmm. I work with restaurants and I work with small business owners. 
But um, my client, she's, she said, like, I don't know what to do if I cannot work for three days straight. And we live in Florida. If there's a hurricane, you can be for a month without power. And I said, okay, so we need to plan what you're going to do. And after we plan, like, her strategy, she's got um, a generator and she's got a pool with a water filter so she can use the, the pool water. If she needs to wash hairs or remove a, a hair dye or whatever she's doing. And the other thing is like, we plan how to recover from that time that she was not able to do business. So she will have, she also have a plan on how to make quick money with sales, with hair specials, so she can bring people in after an, an interruption. So she does not feel that impact of losing two, three days because on the next day she's gonna recover. And that's how we work with it. And she was so pleased with it because she said, I can use this for anything. If I go on travels and I go on vacation and I need to recover from that time that I wasn't yeah. producing any income, I can come back and just implement one of these strategies of making quick sales and quick strategies for making money on the spot, like two or three clients in a day because she will have a sale or she will have a special going on just to bring people in and she will have her meet ends by, you know, her, her bills paid by the end of the, of the week and the month because mm -hmm. she was able to just bring that quick cash. That's important to be able to cover fast because you're right. I mean, especially with cash-based businesses like a restaurant and or hair salons and stuff like that, um, they could get under pretty quickly and, and not having that flow coming in is the most important part. I really like the format that you have of your book. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that it even talks about, for the business owner, uh, what happens if you die, you know, and oh. how does your family go on? <laughs> You know, I mean, you really took the time to, to look at, oh, to look at yes. all those things. This was, um, I was in Miami when I did this and I was uh, sick. I was sick and I, I've been working with it in my in my mind for months, but I didn't know how to put it on paper. Mm -hmm. So that weekend I had extra time in my hands. I was laying in bed and I just started typing and then I show it to a friend of mine and she was like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, I don't even know how to how to develop a plan and just by reading these i can do it without you being there just telling me you know if i if i really understand my business and the processes of my business i can do this and i was like okay so that's great so we started testing it with different small businesses like a car wash business or a mm. food truck business and they were all able to complete it i said you need to put the work it's not a book that will tell you what to do. You have to put the work on the book. So it, that's why I said, you know, it's not a book. It's a workbook because you're going to be working on it. <laughs> that's true. It's, there's lots of space here, too. It's really it's yes. it's really neat. Some of the things I noticed in here, too, and, and if you want to take like like the big, you know, the big words and whatnot, it's uh, the SWOT analysis is in there, but not not made in the same way. So it's not overwhelming to people who who don't have that background with them and, and have that organizational management background. And it's really easy to to go through and and any anybody, I mean, even even if like you're saying there before, even if you don't own a business and you want to do something for your own home, this is something that you could really pick up and use. Uh, and plan at your own house. I mean, just a simple thing of, a, like, God forbid, you are you have a fire in your house and you lose your home and you have something like this that's written down. 
Um, it's a good starting basis. Who is your audience that you're looking for specifically with your book here? Business owners. I'm actually targeting business owners because, well, I believe, and, and this is something very, very personal. I think it's a passion of mine. <laughs> Small businesses are very important for their community. So if they can recover quickly and they can keep continue to offer employment to, to their employees, because if they fail, there's a lot of people that's going to suffer as well. So I, mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I'm going to do this and with the book. And if you read, the, if you read, there's a part when I offer a free consultation just to get them to have a plan. It's like, I'm begging you have a plan, please. Right. <laughs> I'll help you. Just Take the time and make sure you have a plan for your business. I also do a little bit of corporate consulting to restaurant groups. And that part, well, is what really pays the bills because obviously um, with a small book, you you know <laughs> you right, don't survive. Right. I'm just doing and I and as I said, you know, I can help a thousand business owners, which was my initial goal with this simple book. Now, if you want me to help you personally, then I can do consultations and I work with restaurant groups and with businesses. But if you want to go on your own, you can do a basic plan just by following the, the steps in the book. And I thought, you know, that will have a reach that I cannot, you know, I cannot even imagine how many people can get their hands on the book and help them to save their businesses. Because we've seen that I think it was in Matthew 200,000 business were affected by Hurricane Matthew. I, yeah. I had the statistics for one of them. It was $19.9 billion in 2004 in the hurricane season in Florida. Just in Florida. And from those 5 million businesses were affected, 40% never reopened. So right. if we can help those small business owners that they don't only provide a service or a product to their communities, they also are a source of employment. They are uh, a source of income for the family owner, for the business owner. We're going to help the society as well. So right. that's what I thought initially, yes. I thought it would be kind of a really cool idea for, for emergency managers that want to do outreach to the small business community, maybe to the Chamber of Commerce, that they could buy these books and, and do a workshop with their uh, small business owners. And I think that's a that's a huge value added. And it gets emergency management out from behind the the closed doors, I guess, if you will, and out into the community and, and really becomes making those partners. Because if a disaster does occur, it's going to be that small business owner, uh, you know, the guy who has the rental company down the street and, and uh, the, the restaurants and stuff like that, that you're really going to lean on uh, during those disasters. And I think that if you could help them help themselves prior to anything, this is like a really good idea. Would you be able to do some like uh, consulting with emergency managers on how to utilize your book in that kind of uh, a way um, if, if they wanted to contact you? Yes, of course. And and I thought, you know, the perfect way to teach, to teach this method to them is in a non-technical way. That's why the book is written in that language. You, you don't need to tell them about um, contingencies and they don't understand that you have to talk to them in their language so that's why the book it's it's written in a non-technical way so they can understand not it's not the SWOT analysis but what are the real threats to your business and how is your operations are going to be affected so that's that's the way it's written and and that will be easier but if they need you know we can do workshops we can do webinars anything I'm right now I'm um, collaborating with safe and ready 
but I'm doing with them uh, Spanish preparedness training for them. That's great. Yes, because that's another thing that I do. It's another passion project because <laughs> I do passion projects a lot. And that's the podcast that I do in Spanish. Just trying to normalize the need to prepare, you know, just forgetting about the prepping label, but helping people prepare so they don't suffer as much when there's a disaster. That's awesome. Well, let's take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, I'd like to talk to you more about the Spanish outreach that you're doing in the podcast. We'll be right back after the news. Are you ready for the unthinkable? Call our friends at High Speed Tac Med. They provide custom emergency planning and training that saves lives. With years of experience in law enforcement, search and rescue, responding to and managing large-scale incidents, HSTM will evaluate and prepare written plans, training sessions, drills, and debriefs, leaving you with the necessary tools and experience that can save lives. Call HSTM today to discuss your specific needs, and the staff of High Speed Tac Med will help ensure that you're ready and are in complete compliance. Call High Speed Tac Med today, 805-419-0024. Again, that's 805-419-0024. The friendly staff at HSTM is standing by. Emergencies happen. Whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. If you're trying to reach people in the emergency management and response space, EM Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we are bringing in guests from around the world to talk about best practices and trends in emergency management and response. We also have the blog on EM Weekly's website and the EM Quarterly e-magazine. For more information, please email Brian at brian at emweekly.com. And welcome back from our, our quick break. Thank you for uh, listening to our sponsors because uh, those guys right there, they, uh, they're the ones that keep us going and they're all really good products that we, that we look at. So uh, there's nothing out there that we touch that we haven't used or played with or, or know the people. So again, thank you for, uh, for taking the time to listen. Lysandra, so your passion project of the Spanish-speaking podcast and preparedness, that's one of the things that in in California, obviously we have a large Spanish-speaking population in California as well, and uh, we do do some outreach uh, with our CERT programs. And I have noticed, though, that our CERT programs, even our Spanish-speaking CERT programs, uh, are not really heavily attended. What can we do to better reach out to the Spanish-speaking community? Well, I think that there's a misconception on the preparedness part, and you've probably heard this before. People think that if you prepare for a disaster, you are a maniac or you're crazy <laughs> or you're a fanatic because there's a label for people that prepare. So people try to hide their efforts. Even if they do it, they don't tell anybody. So they don't like to go to public places to learn because people will label them as the crazy prepper. 
And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I've been trying to teach people. Like, it's normal to prepare because even if you read the Bible, how many times they talk about disasters, floods, droughts, anything. And there was always, <laughs> and and you can tell by now, I'm a, I'm a Christian person. So I know that you have to prepare, you know, you cannot just expect God to show up and just help you. And people need to realize that they need to do their part. Plus, they need to understand that the government is not going to be there at least on the first three days. So you have to prepare and don't expect everybody to take care of you. You have to do your part. So I would say that changing a little bit the the way it's presented to people instead of saying like, okay, uh, we're doing preparedness training. Well, just teach it in a different way. Probably that will help them be more open to go to the meetings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the other thing is like people is really busy. You have to offer them an opportunity to take the training when they have the time. I belong to a couple of organizations and I never show up to a meeting because they're always the same day at the same time. And that Mm. happens with everything. (laughs) You have to decide which one you're going to attend because they're always the same day at the same time. So I would say if there's training available that they can consume as they have the opportunity or as they have the time, like the podcast, they just go whenever they have the time to listen. Mm -hmm. That will be very, very helpful. I know that some of the same things you're talking about that people just don't want to have that label. I think like that, that TV show, the TV show, the, yes. what was it? The prepper show. Yeah. The that, that, kinda, that was, that was yeah. the start of the labeling of people, because if you, if you read about the last day saints, or I don't, I don't know what's the name of the, of the church that people, they are self-sufficient for a year. They have enough to live for a year without needing to go out and they prepare really good for any emergency or any situation even as like I say I tell them I tell my audience even if you lose your job or you get sick and you're in a disability you don't have to worry about food because you prepared you have (laughs) you have a supply of food water and your basic needs are covered for 30 60 days whatever it's time you have in your storage and that there's nothing wrong with it (laughs) <laughs> right and and i i said you know we need to normalize the preparedness so people can open their minds to start taking action and be a little bit more proactive in their efforts for emergency preparedness you're right it's the uh the mormons that's what you're thinking about right there with the year's worth of food that, that they get it's funny i got invited to talk to a mormon church one time <laughs> regarding regarding preparedness i'm like i think i should be learning from you you know yeah, you guys they, they have they have great <laughs> resources, books, anything. Yes. Right. Yeah. I grew up in upstate New York and we were always getting ready for, um, you know, snowstorms and we knew the mm-hmm. snowstorms are coming. And, and I know with like, you know, obviously in Florida and, and the Gulf Coast, we, we know when the hurricanes are coming and people rush out to the stores and buy they the stuff. They still wait the until day. the last minute. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but the problem with California and, and even like Oklahoma and, and the, and those areas over there, we like in California, we don't know when the earthquake is coming and, and in Cal and in Oklahoma and Texas and, Kansas and I guess those places yeah, in Missouri, that's true, but they, they don't know when the tornadoes are coming, you know? Yeah. And that's true, especially with, with the um, earthquakes, but there's so, so much that people can do to prepare before it actually happens. And I, one of my episodes is about what to do in, you know, in the case of a, of an earthquake, 
if you are inside the house, if you are outside the house, if you are in your car, what are you supposed to do? Because people really don't even, they don't have a clue. And and I didn't have a clue either. If I was in a car, I'd probably get out of the car and just start running or I don't know how I would have reacted. <laughs> but then, you know, we need to talk about it. We need to just practice and we need to... It, just make it part of our lifestyle. Just instead of having a, an organizational drill, well, let's have a family drill. Right. <laughs> so yeah, we. I think, I think it's just it's just that label what really really keeps people from taking action because they don't want to be labeled. Especially if you're a minority, you don't want to have an extra label on your right. back. It's like, oh, she is Hispanic. She's a woman. She's a prepper. Oh, my Lord. Help her. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. An emergency manager uh, or student would like to reach out to you regarding um, your podcast or, or to give at least, um, people that like, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but I could never teach a class in Spanish. Yeah. Right. So if I wanted to give my Spanish speaking people a, uh, a resource, how would we, how can we find your podcast? Well, my podcast, it's found on iTunes. It's called Preparate, which is pretty easy. <laughs> and I also have a website, which is supposed to be the like the blog for the podcast, but I don't do show notes. I only <laughs> I only offer resources and the podcast episode, which is prepispano.com. I can I can actually email that to you if you if <laughs> if you don't know how to spell it. But yeah, I also have great. my I'll, I'll personal podcast or my personal webpage and my business webpage. So there, there's plenty of ways to contact me. I'm very social. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, right. pretty much everywhere. Yeah, if you can send me that that information regarding your your links and, and uh, how we can buy your book and everything, I'll put that. I do do show notes, so we'll put those in our show <laughs> notes, and and people can find them right down below. That way, we're not uh, don't have to take notes during the during this podcast. That's awesome. Yes, it's very easy to contact me and I'm always either on my phone or my computer. So I'll be listening and, and just paying attention to everything that happens. And as I said, I'm I'm open to help anybody that needs help. That's why I offer a free consultation. That's why I offer a free uh, virtual coffee with business owners when we can discuss their needs, their concerns, what is that really bothers them if they already faced a bit of of interruption and they don't know what to do we can discuss that but you know people really need to start paying attention preparing and don't wait until it's too late because there's some point it's like with the insurance companies once you have your policy it will take 30 60 days to kick in so you cannot mm -hmm. contact me the, the week before the hurricane when it's already uh, by the bahamas to say like hey i need a plan <laughs> so yeah right <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. It's funny to see how people just react that way sometimes, and and I, it's it saddens me sometimes when they wait for the the government. And I, I know you said earlier you said three days, but I realistically think it's about two weeks that we're talking about for yes. a major catastrophe. If it's a local emergency, that's one thing. But if we have another, you know, look at Hurricane Sandy and Superstorm, uh, or I mean, sorry, Superstorm Sandy and Hurricane Katrina are really two good examples of uh, of when it took us a little bit while to mobilize because it's so overwhelming that it's hard to get over to the individuals a couple more questions here before we before i let you go the one is is if somebody is a uh, minority um and uh, woman or, or or both or whatever how would you encourage them to get involved in the emergency management field 
you know, cause that's one thing we're trying to do is outreach to all of the communities. So everybody's represented in one. And so when a disaster does come, we can speak the languages of that we, that we need to speak. How, how would, how could we reach out to that community and get them involved in this business? Well, it's like in business, you need to know who your customer is. Well, when you're, when you're working with the community in emergency management, you need to know the the customs, you need to know the culture, you need to know the community as well. So if there's a minority community, you need to understand them and what are their needs, what are the barriers, and you need to provide for that, right? That's the way you plan for a successful uh, response and recovery. If you want to have, a, if you want to have a community that is prepared, but I found that a lot of times there's no that knowledge of the community as 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 a whole and probably there's not taken into consideration that there are going to be other groups uh Vietnamese or Haitians and they speak a different language so if you are part of one group and you have that language uh, already and you understand the culture well that's your in <laughs> that's the way you go in because we need to realize that it's a diverse population and we need everybody if we want to help. Mm, so that's your in. If you're a woman, you can go and help. Let's say you want to help women. And if you're Hispanic, you want to go and help the Hispanic because it's natural to you. You understand them. You understand the language. So it's going to be easier for you to develop a plan or a strategy that will work with that type of community because you understand it. So I, I would say we need diversity. A lot. <laughs> and that's your in. If you're part of a group, uh, it, even if you are part of, well, I don't know, well, maybe a religious group or the LGBTQ community, well, that's your in because we need everybody if we want to plan for everybody. One of the things that I really encourage my students to do when we're doing our, our project is to pick their town and, and how you'd plan for, for their town, wherever. Because like we have, I have students from all over the country that take my classes online. And some of my military people are from all over the world. Yes. And I just tell them, I said, pick pick where you live, whether you live there now or if you that's where you want to live or whatever. And, and try to look at those hazards and plan for that community. And uh, and so I got them thinking that way on the, on the community-based type stuff. But I would really love to see more people... Um, uh, get involved in this business that, you know, as far as the emergency management goes and, and that type of thing from all over the place, because I really do think that we need it because there are yes. times that you, you know, there are times for that you... Is an undergraduate degree that you teach yeah. that? Because mm -hmm. I, I teach for a graduate, um, I think it's occupational safety and we do disaster preparedness and emergency response. And that's exactly how I have them go through the, through the lesson. You pick your community, you identify the hazards, you have to go through back in history and see what's a trend, what happens yeah. more than one. And that's how you're going to start planning at the end project is exactly that. They have to present me everything like the plan. And I think that the last project is a public safety announcement that they have to create for their community. Oh, that's and, a good idea. I'm going to steal it's that. It's very, very interesting <laughs> to see what they come with, because sometimes I have two students in the same area uh -huh. and they will do a completely different project. That's great, though. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. It's good to see that. Yeah, I'm stealing that idea about the PSA. That's for early, yeah, <laughs> the EAS message. That's awesome. All right. And so I'm going to ask you one more question here. And this is going to be the hard one of the of the day. And I know you got your book, so you can put that on your list of books to buy. But what books or uh, publications do you recommend 
to people that are getting into emergency management or in leadership in general? Well, I've, I've been reading about the social media era because I think it's very important to just integrate that into emergency management. We, we have to evolve with the times. And I've always said leadership, the leadership uh, book with by um, North, I, I don't remember the last name. I'll have to I'll have to include that on the um <laughs> on on the email for your notes. Okay. But there's so many good books for leadership, but I think we have to move a little bit from leadership and from management perspective and start looking around and see what's happening with the social media. Because there's so many channels that we can use to our advantage, <laughs> uh, like blog posts are probably more effective than trying to publish an, uh, an article in a magazine. People right. read them, podcasts, it's very interesting. People have the opportunity to listen to whatever they want and listen more than one time, mm -hmm. which is very interesting as well. And the response of the people. And I think we have to move to that kind of economy like like i said it's just uh, social media is just so big now that we have to move to social media so i would say for anybody anybody that wants to live in our social media era the book crush it by gary vaynerchuk because it's it's like an overview of everything that's happening if you're not in social media <laughs> that's the way so to start. true Yes, yes, because we need to. Um, it, it's it's much more effective. I think it's thirteen point five seconds that a message will go around the world if you use Twitter. So wow, we need to be in social media. We need to be proactive in this matter. And sometimes we recommend, okay, well, let's just plan and have everything in paper, but. People is on their phones <laughs> most of the time yeah. or their computer. So that's the that's what we need to learn how to do, how to uh, probably take the message in a way that is interesting, that it grabs people's attention and have them get involved and engage with the emergency management community. So I will say just, you know, crush it because you will have an overview of what's going on. I would say any book from Richard Branson because it will change your perspective on anything you're doing, <laughs> especially <laughs> on leadership, how you're going to uh -huh. involve your employees and not have them be part of your efforts, but leaders within your efforts. And that's very important. Wow. That is important. Thank you for sharing that. That's a <laughs> It's actually a good insight right there. Wow. So we're almost here to the end and, and I do appreciate the time with the, I had with you. It goes fast. You know, I, I get involved in these yes. conversations and, and <laughs> it it go really fast. Everybody, thank you so much for taking your time out and listening to this podcast today. We are uh, excited to have you here. And again, if you haven't, if this is your first one, go back and listen to the rest of them. Um, if you uh, speak Spanish, go ahead and check out the Lysandra's uh, podcast because I'm sure there's a lot of good information on that. Um, and I really hope that you guys enjoy it. Lysandra, thank you for being here, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Todd, for having me.